0: Thank you, Marissa. Ben, you guys can be seated. Well, welcome. We do serve an awesome God. Thank you, Ben. And we pray this morning that he would speak clearly to us. I believe that God has something for us today. He had something for me in this in this passage. We are in the book of James, and if you are just joining us as a guest, um, <laughs> this is a very interesting book of the Bible we're going through. James gives it to us straightforward. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't make it nice. And we've had some difficult passages the past few weeks. Um, I would encourage you to go back and listen to kind of where we've been. But but this week is an easy slam dunk. Finally, we get something easy. Because this week is just about this small little idea called God's will. (laughs) So already, it's going to just be an easy one. Now, what is the will of God? What is this God's will? You know, when I was a young kid... um, god's will was this burden i carried i I believe god's will was this dot and i had to hit it exactly and if i deviated at all in my life i was out of his will and so it was a big deal to me when i was 18 and i'm choosing a college what if i choose the wrong one you know what what if i or will i marry the right woman i mean that's a big one you got to hit that dot and and what if the what if the woman that i'm supposed to marry ends up making a bad decision and goes to a different college what if What if my wife messes up my life by marrying someone else? Like, I'm already preemptively at 18, like, no, don't ruin it for me, because God's will was a dot, and I had to hit it perfectly, and so did she, and so did everything, and if you don't, you're just out of it. God's will is hard stuff. How, how do we discern God's will? How do we discern, discern God's plan for us? In the the harder part. What about when, when, his plan, when his plan and our plan seem to be at odds with one another? What about those times when well, what we want to do and what he might have for us are going in two separate directions? You know, there's always this tension between what God's plan is and what my plan is. Contemporary poet Aubrey uh, Drake Graham weighs in on this, and his. His poem about God's plan. He says, I can't even do it on my own. This is, a, this is a modern issue as well. So, how do we find God's will? How do you find it? How do you know it? Well, there's a skier named Phil, and he was supposed to meet his friends early Sunday morning to get the first tracks and the fresh powder. But Phil didn't show up on time. In fact, two hours later, Phil finally arrives, and his friends say, What took you so long? And he said, Well, it's Sunday morning. I couldn't decide whether God wanted me to go to church or go skiing. So I tossed a coin and figured God would make it clear to me. I go to church if it's heads and if it's tails, then I go skiing. And they said, well, that's, that's not bad. Why did it take you two hours? Well, I had to toss the coin 528 times to get tails. But he finally made it clear I should be here. This tension of God's plan and my plan and how they interact and how they intersect. Today we're talking about God's will for our lives and our strategies, our plans, our, our, our schedules, our priorities. And below it all, below all our plans, below all that we see in life, the question, how much do you trust God with your future? How much do you trust God with your past and present? How much do you ask God about the decisions you should make? How big of a presence does he have in your daily life? And am I going through my life on my plan or his plan? It's no small question, but this is a question we easily overlook every day. Like how often do we pause and say, God, what do you want from me today? What do you want as I look forward to my future, tomorrow? God, what do you have for my family? How how do you want to lead our family? God, how do you what do you have for my business? How would you want me to lead this business? And what about the plans that we've already made? You know, we all have plans that are already set in motion. You ever made plans, big plans, and you realize you never ask God, oh no, God, can you come just put a stamp on this? I just want to know you, you agree with all that I've been doing. There's this tension between our plans and his plans. And sometimes we have a sense or understanding of what God would want for us. And yet we, we choose something else. I would guess most of the time, though, we go through life making decisions and making plans without much of a thought of what he would have for us. And James talks about both of these two sides in today's passage. James four, thirteen through 17 is going to be on the screen. You can read along with me. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen to you tomorrow, And what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. Oh, James, in his typical James fashion, he just hits it straight on. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we should go to this city or that and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. And now the, the, the temptation right here is to think that James is saying, don't make plans. Don't plan ahead. For some of your personality types, you're like, that. I can get, I can get on board with that. I like that. And others of you are already a little bit panicked. Wait, what? Put away my calendar? My, my, my day timer, if we still have those? Actual paper? Put away my schedule? My lists? Listen, James is not speaking against making a calendar or making plans or against those personalities that that do that naturally. What's he getting at here? He's talking about a heart issue, not a planning issue. He's talking about the way that we view our life and our plans and the way that we view God's plans and the way that we view his interaction with us. He says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. He asks, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Proverbs 27, one echoes this. Don't boast about tomorrow for you don't even know what today's gonna bring. There's this warning that, that, that we don't know. There's an uncertainty. A mist that appears and then vanishes. This isn't a heavy fog. We've all seen that fog that's been around lately that just settles in. It's not talking about a heavy fog. This is that breath in the, in the morning when it's crisp and it's cold and you walk out and you breathe and it's there for a moment and then it's gone. Our lives are, are a vapor. In the, in the grand scheme of things, in the light of eternity, let alone human history, we are here for just a breath. And not only that, but our moods and our health and our happiness, everything about our life is so fragile, isn't it? That phone that you have in your pocket or in your purse. We are one call away from our life changing. Life is fragile. And some of you have gotten those calls, haven't you? And you pick up the phone and nothing's the same afterwards. This isn't grounds to worry. This is a reminder of reality. Humanity, see, we love to view our lives as settled and concrete. Or we're safe. Our future plans are, are looking good. Our accounts bring us security. Our plans are solid. And through the course of a life where we begin to stand on these things, we begin to place our faith in our own selves. Faith in our own future. Faith in our own plans. And this is what James is talking about. Because see, I'm making my plans for my life as if I know what tomorrow's gonna bring. When in reality, compared to eternity, my life is so short and so fragile, and I don't even know what this afternoon is gonna bring. But God, God's eternal. God is all-knowing. God is a firm foundation. God knows what is in tomorrow. He already knows. And he has, he has the strength for tomorrow waiting for you then. Not now. So if I'm going to place my faith either in my own self or my own plans or in the God who knows all that comes, it's an easy decision. When we put it that way, it's easy. But we forget, don't we? We wake up on Monday and we have to start going through our calendar and our plans and we forget to include him, invite him, to ask him to, to jump on board with his plan. And so James goes on and he, he talks about the flip side now. Instead, you ought to say, if, the Lord, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this and that. If it's the Lord's will, if God, desi- if God desires it, then we will do it. This is a statement of faith. My life is in his hands, and if he desires it, then I will do it, and it will be. This isn't someone who refuses to make plans. This isn't that guy who goes, hey, man, I'm not going to plan anything. It's all in God's hands. That's all what he's talking about. It's a heart issue, not a planning issue. This is the person who's striving to find God's plan and follow it. And maybe you've known someone like this. Maybe you've known someone who walks the talk on these kind of things, who, who, who has an idea that my time is actually God's time. My life is God's life. And it's so, in, it's so challenging and inspiring when you meet these people. And one of them for me is Steve White. Many of you might've known Steve White. He, he's a great businessman. And he had lots of strategies for the future and rose to the top of his industry. And he had lots of plans about many things, but in his heart of hearts, he knew his best laid plans could change like that. If God wanted and he was okay with that he viewed that his free time his work time all of his time was God's time and if he was out and about and you were with him he would say this he had legit faith that he would say if someone crosses my path I'm gonna assume that God brought them into my life so I could talk to him and tell him what God wants. And so you could be camping with him, you could be walking with him, and every interruption was a divine interruption, and he would assume that God had brought this person into my life, and because of that, God began to do wild stuff. He would set up these divine appointments. Steve would be out camping in the middle of nowhere, and some person, some prodigal son or daughter, would be on a a hike in the middle of nowhere and come and end up at Steve's fire, and the guy didn't know why he was there, but Steve knew. You see, his, his calendar was set, but it was open. He lived a life believing that every interaction was an opportunity, that every moment and, per, and crossing of paths was a gift of God. And he would say, I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know what my today brings. But whatever God brings my way, I'm going to start there. If God has it, if God wills it, I'm going to do it. And he would say, God, bring me today what you desire. It was amazing to see the results of of those kinds of lives, that that everywhere I go, I'm open to what God would do and interrupt my life, my, my day. This is the person who says, God, I want your plan for my day. I want your plan for me, not my own. And this is the faith that James is talking about. Not about strategy and planning, because God works through those things. A heart issue, a heart issue of do I know, do I seek, do I want to know God's plan, and do I adjust to it in my life? James goes on, and he goes after these these different elements. He goes after these things with a lot of intensity, doesn't he? He's James, so that's what he does. But why the intensity on this topic? And I believe there's a bottom line below it. And if we go back to verse 13, we'll see it. Verse 13, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city spend a year there and carry on business and make money. The word here for make money is profit or gain. It means the same thing. It's the same word that Jesus used in Matthew 16, 26 when Jesus says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? And this is the whole point. What good would it be for me to go through my life on my plan and yet lose the divine plan that God has for us and that God's inviting me into? that God's giving me opportunity after opportunity and I'm so consumed and concerned with my plan. Jesus says, what what if you got everything that you hoped for? What if you got everything you planned for in life? And that plan cost you what matters most. What if the point to our lives wasn't just to work our own plan? It strikes me that any plan that we can come up with for our life, no matter how audacious we, we elevate it, pales in comparison to what God calls us to. A life of eternal significance, not temporary success. God gifted you the way he did so that you can accomplish something far greater than the success or happiness in the plans that we have. Orchard, each of us was created the divine calling each of us for divine purposes god made you and then has good works prepared in advance for you to do you were given a truly unique mix and some of you are very unique a truly unique mix of personality and strengths and weaknesses and talents and then add into that your experiences both wounding and good and success and failure and god has things that he wants you to do that only you can accomplish And we get so caught up and we say, I'm not like that person. I can't do it like they can do it. They can't do what God's called you to. God has made you the way he made you to to do what he's called you to do in the way only you can do it. So that we can love God and love people, the world around us, in a unique way. James says, don't be so busy with your own plan that you miss what God is calling you to. Because there's big experiences each day. I I had one of these experiences this last week. I was in Glenwood at a coffee shop, and then I packed up, and I was walking up Grand, working on the message, and I had my earbuds in, and I was listening to James, just listening to the text, kind of going through it asking God to show me some stuff, and just walking up grand, bundled up, and I, I, I'm looking down. I look up at the last second, and there's someone right there, and it's, it's, it's a homeless guy, about 25 years old, and he, he puts his hand out, and he says something, and I just go, because I, I, I just saw him, and I'm busy. I, I couldn't hear anything. I just go, hey. and I keep walking. Oh, I got, I'm working on James. It's important. And I get to my truck, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, uh, James even says your religion is useless. If, if, you, if you claim to have all these things, but you don't do anything about it, I, I missed it. I was so busy listening to, I, I had a good plan. I'm, I'm listening to good things. I look down and the kid's way down there. I can't, I, okay, I'm gonna get in my truck and I'm gonna circle around and go by the brew pub and I hope he's gonna come out right at the grind. If he's walking that way, he might. And as I pull up to the grind under that bridge, he walks through there and there he is, dreads and all, backpacking. And I said, hey, what do you want? And he goes, what? I forgot to do a little intro. You, know, it's not, you don't just you don't just yell that at people. I said, "Oh, I said, hey man, I was up there on the sidewalk and I had my earbuds in. I couldn't hear you, but you sound like you, you seem like you need something. What did you need?" He goes, "Oh man, I, honestly, no money. I just I would love a burger." I said, "Well, you're in luck. There's a place right behind you. Let's let me park this thing, which you know how long that takes. Let me park this thing and I'll meet you back here." So I meet back there. I meet him. His name is Christian. All Christian wanted was a burger. We walk in, and, and I said, man, you get whatever you want. Just get whatever you want, um, and get a bunch of it. He said, no, I just, man, I just want one. Just one's fine. I said, okay. And the host said, will you be um, dining in, or will you be eating out? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable in here, so I'm going to eat on the steps. I said, okay. I said, yeah, whatever you want, man. I paid for the burger, shook his hand, and I walked away. I felt really good about myself. I mean, I was in my own plan, and then I interrupted it to go do this good thing, and I got Christian a burger, and I walked away like, man, it takes a pretty big Christian to adjust their day. (laughs) Buy somebody a burger. Fries, fries. Um, And I walked back to my truck, and feeling pretty good about my Daniel plan that I had, and God's spirit began to convict me. You see, even inside the grind, I was still on my own plan. I had not asked God anything about what he wanted of me in that moment. I felt good because I bought a burger for a a guy. And God said, you didn't even ask me what he needed. That son of mine needed much more than a burger. He needed life. You see, I was so busy doing the right thing, I didn't even ask what the God thing was. That's what James is talking about. We get so busy working our plan that we don't ask what his plan would be. I mean, I, I was I'm the guy James is talking about. I will go to this restaurant and I will do this and that and I will buy this man a burger and then I will drive home and feel good about myself and have an illustration. It's all working out really well for me until God started to convict me. And it hit me in my truck as God and I went back over the game tape of what just happened that I'd missed it. i have been so keen on doing the good plan that I missed the God plan. As I'm going back over there with God in my truck, there was so much room for me to have responded how he would have had me respond if I had simply asked. You see, when Christian said, when Christian was asked by the host, do you want to be seated? No, no, man, I I'll sit outside on the steps. I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. See, that's where I, that's where I would have replied, oh, hey, hey, man, I'm gonna sit with you. Let's have lunch together. Let's talk. I'm gonna move this. I'm gonna move my meeting. I was so set on what I thought was best for that moment and that day that I failed to even ask God what he wanted of me. Don't be so caught up in your plan, even if it's a good one, that you miss what God has for you. I knew I'd miss the mark on that one, but but God's not into condemnation. And so I repent. I just said, I'm sorry. There's a learning moment for me. You see, sometimes you give out a few bucks and a burger, and sometimes God wants you to give them a little more, your time or your attention. And it was a great reminder that God wants to give us real wisdom. His Spirit wants to give us real wisdom. The Bible says walk with the Spirit. Present, real time, so we can interact with the world around us. God wants to speak to us through His Word and through His Spirit so we can speak to others. God wants to work redemption into me so that I can work redemption into the world by loving people. You see, I learned that day again from Christian at the Grind. I can do the good thing but miss the God thing. That loving God and loving people isn't just about physical needs. The same way it's not just about spiritual needs. On that occasion, on on that specific occasion, had had I asked God, I would have been sitting down across from a homeless kid in a restaurant. A kid who's worried about others feeling uncomfortable, but but I know it's him that feels uncomfortable. And I would have looked Christian in the eye, and I would have listened to his story, and I would have reminded him of his value to God. And I hopefully would have spoke what God would have wanted me to speak to him. You see, God has a beautiful calling on us. He calls us into good things and good works each day. Are we listening? Are we pausing long enough to hear the prompt of the Spirit? are we just blazing ahead with good intentions are we so busy doing life that we ignore what the author of life is calling us to and that should be the end of the sermon but there's this strange verse at the end james goes through all that and then he adds on this this random thing at the end if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it it's a sin for them when I was first reading this, this seemed like one of those dangling chads, just something that was kind of latched on that I don't know what it means. But a closer look, it started to make sense. You see, James says in the first section, there are those who are acting outside of God's plan. There are those who are just doing their own thing. And here James speaks to the opposite side. Those who see God's plan yet refuse to take action. Two sides. One side takes action but does not see God's plan. The other side sees God's plan but refuses to take action. And I just have to ask, which side do you most fall into? Are you one that's kind of, maybe you see what needs to be done sometimes, but it's too awkward or too much, too much trouble? Or are we somebody that, that just goes through our life working our own plan without thought to God? You know, I'm both. Depending on the situation, I'm guilty of both sides. If anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. There are moments throughout our day to love God and love people as we see opportunities arise. Some are big. Some are small. But we have opportunities to love people tangibly. And the Spirit may prompt your heart. God's Word may show you the way. And at that moment, you have an opportunity to speak up, to step up, to take action, to hand out, whatever would be appropriate. But if we see it and we decide not to do anything about it, James tells us that's a sin. That doesn't feel good. Sin is defined as missing the mark. It's a sin of omission. I'm, I'm sinning by not doing the right thing. And this is a difficult one. Tell me this isn't difficult. I'm automatically thinking, what, what, there's a whole new area of sin I wasn't even aware of. Uh, I've been sinning and didn't even know it. Well, now you know. Many of us didn't consider the sin of doing Nothing. But see God's plan is beautiful because it's 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 seeing it's faithing and it's doing. God's kingdom is not built on good intentions and Jesus didn't ransom your soul by good intentions. God's plan is built on good faith and good works. And if that hits you wrong, go back and listen to the sermon 2 weeks ago. If we claim to have good faith and yet when we see good works that we could do and we choose not to, James says we miss the mark. But there's something more beautiful than just being afraid of sin. I don't want us to just be afraid of, oh no, the sin of omission. There's something beautiful going on. Because see, God calls us into, these, into this partnership of walking with him. He calls us into these big and small things and if we don't do it, yes, we miss the mark. But we also miss out. We miss out on partnering with him. And not only do we miss out, but the world around us and the people who he's asked us to love, they miss out when we choose not to engage. This point was driven deep into my heart when I was only 18 years old. I was at a college in Texas, a Bible college, and a revival came through town. Anybody ever been to a good old-fashioned revival? And this was a different kind of revival. We all gathered in the chapel. It was a university setting. We gathered in the big chapel, and these seminary students, only three or four years older than us, came in and They got to the front, and all the students were there, and he goes, hi, I'm from Asbury Seminary. This is the Asbury Seminary Revival. Our entire seminary is praying for you right now, just so you know, and the way this is gonna go is I'm gonna leave this mic here, and I'm gonna walk off, and we're just gonna see what God does. Thank you. Now, at what point does this come uncomfortable? at what point do we all just sit here and go wow what did i show up for <laughs> i mean there was an, i was where is the preacher that's going to hold the bible and pound the table this is a revival you you can't just leave an open stage and mic and walk off we are all sitting there all of us college university students just sitting in the awkward silence and then you know how the crowd starts to kind of fidget and then that one person gets out a piece of candy, old grandmother candy with a really loud wrapper. <clears throat> this guy's cleared his throat. I mean, the crowd starts to get restless. And I'm in the very back. I'm in the last row. You can see where I'm living at this point. I'm just like, I'm gonna watch this revival. I don't want it to touch me. We're gonna see what happens. I mean, I don't know what this is gonna be about. Just sitting back there as a spectator. And it, the silence goes on for much longer than it should have. And then in my heart, I heard something as clear as I could hear it. I can't, I can never forget this. So I'm sitting in the back row with my fraternity. God says, Stand up, walk to the front. I'll tell you what to say. <laughs> yeah, okay. You, you're good. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. Nope. No. No. My heart is beating. Everyone else is feeling awkward because of the silence. I'm back there freaking out because of the, the voice in my heart it wasn't silent. I'm in a debate. I'm oh no. Stand up, my son. I'm with you. What if I don't? I remember this. I said, what if I don't? I'll ask another. Now, I don't know how God works. I don't know if I was the first or the only one, but I did know is that I wanted a lifestyle at that point. I wanted a lifestyle when when I heard God ask me something or felt prompted or read it in the Word that I would do it. And I could have sat there and done nothing. And I believe God's purposes would have been accomplished. I remember in that moment, I was 18 and I felt the thrill of God's voice speaking to me And then the immediate nausea of awkwardness of what it meant for me. And this is how it goes. God doesn't like, go do the thing you're most comfortable with and be celebrated for it. No, I mean, yes, you just step out of your comfort zone. And sometimes it's little, it's a handing out. Sometimes it's big. Walk up in front of your university and you don't know what to say. Just the nausea that went with it. I mean, it would have been so easy to have stayed in my seat and quietly been like everybody else in the room. It was so tempting. But at the end of the day, I knew I did not want to be like everybody else. I wanted to be who God called me to be. And if it means I have to stand up and walk to the front of the university without a clue of what he wants me to say when I get there, then so be it. The worst that's gonna happen is I'll be embarrassed. but, But what could happen? It could be revival. And so... Much to my fraternity brother's surprise, sitting back there with them in the silence, and we're all, shy, I just stand up. Try to play it off. Ooh. And my fraternity brothers look up at me like they'd seen a ghost. Bro, are you serious? Sit down. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I, I'm standing, I'm standing. I can't believe I'm standing. I'm walking down my aisle. Why am I walking down my aisle? I mean, my heart is beating out of my chest. God, what are you what am I? You ask me. Sit back down. And then I made a tactical error that day that i never make since that day. I never sit in the back anymore, because God might ask you to go to the front. <laughs> sit right in the front, because, because the tactical error is, I have an entire university of aisles to walk down through. I'm like, I mean, I'm just, I'm walking, and it's, it's dead, so my feet is the loudest sound, my feet and my heart, and everybody, as soon as they see me, and they're, they're like, what's this guy gonna, like, what, I, am, I have no idea what's gonna happen. I remember it like it was yesterday, it still impacts me deeply, I walk up on stage, just like this, the entire, the university out in front of me, and I look up. Mike is right there in front of me. And I started to speak. He started to speak. I didn't speak for long. But what happened next could only be experienced, not described. You see, revival fell on us that day in a way that I had never experienced before or since. And many hours later into the night, I sat in my dorm room just in a daze and completely changed forever. This microphone, any microphone you give me will always be easier than that microphone. He changed me that day. I'm so thankful God took a risk and invited me to be a part of his plan and I'm so thankful to the 18-year-old Daniel that I walked up there and, and obeyed him. My faith grew in a way that day that rarely happens. And Orchard, what if revival for us personally and for our area is on the other side of our awkward moments? What if revival with our hearts and within our area is on the other side of saying yes to God? What if he's asking us to stand up and move and we all just stay seated? Because it's easier. It's easier to stay seated in 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 our faith life than to stand up and stand out. I don't know, what if revival is on the other side of of saying yes to God? That when we stand up and speak up and risk, we step into his plan. Maybe God's calling you. Maybe you felt it. Maybe you felt a call to something. But man, the cost was so high. It was so hard. It was so awkward. What if, what if, what's he gonna do with your faith on the other side of that? We look at the price of stepping out of our comfort zone and the awkwardness or the fear and that's a high price tag, sometimes too high. But, but, but from the eternal perspective, from the, from the perspective of heaven, every conversation, every fear, each meal given out in love, every redemptive interaction, every risk, every step out, every step up in, in faith is a small price to pay compared to the surpassing significance of the souls around us and of partnering with our Father. If the awkwardness is the cost of me speaking to someone who might follow Jesus, so be it. If my reputation is the price tag for this conversation about God and bringing redemption, it's worth it a thousand times over. Because again, I'm here not for my plan, I'm here for God's plan. That the world would know him and they would know him because we declare him, we speak him, We act when he asks us to and we love him. We up through our faith. What if revival is on the other side of our yes? What is God asking you in your life to stand up for in obedience? What is God asking you to speak up for in faith? Where is it God's inviting you into his plan? But the cost is high. And maybe you don't know yet, but James makes it clear in this passage. We should have a heart that declares, if God desires it, if God calls it, I will go and do this and that. I'm on this earth to partner with God for redemption. Father, speak to me. Spirit, prompt me and Jesus, guide me and give me courage. So the question today is, we all have our plans and you're living a plan. But did you know that God's calling you to join him? God has the best of intentions for your life that you would know his son Jesus and be more like Jesus that you would put the past behind you, find peace and power in the present and hope for your future. It doesn't matter if it's your family or your business or whatever it could be, God gives wisdom. He has a plan. For some of us, he's asking you to step up, to step into his plan because we get so busy doing our thing or the good thing that we miss the God thing. But I'm gonna ask you this week, to have your radar, your your ears on because you know what God's will is for your life? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love people as yourself, all people. And so you get to leave this place and go forth and he calls you into a plan and a purpose. He's prepared for you. Orchard, I know you guys and many of us are just crazy enough to believe him and stand on what he says and place our faith in him and stand up and take these risks. And may our hearts, may our families, and may our community forever be changed. In Orchard, may we see revival. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. Your plan was completed, your plan of redemption. Thank you for your blood that was shed and your body that was broken that gives us access to the Father. Thank you for inviting us into your eternal plan. I pray in this moment, Jesus, that you would speak clearly. You would would, um, convict us of where we have sinned, but obviously no condemnation in your forgiveness. And I pray, Father, that you would begin to unveil your plans for us. Show us what it means to live a life you call us to. In Jesus' name, amen.